Parashat Kitavo. Let's dedicate our learning today to the Refuah Shelema of Tamar Bat Chuta and also to the Refuah Shelema of Simcha Bat Brida. My mom should continue to be well. Yafa, Esther Bat Rachel, and Moshe Ben Rina. And of course, everybody have in mind um, anybody that you want. Hashem hears you directly, so never worry about that. Let's jump straight into the parashat, parashat kitavo. I had entitled the class, Making an Entrance, because the word kitavo, to enter, the laws are going to involve what needs to happen when we enter the land of Israel. And if we just start with the first couple of words, just so we're all together, I've been away, I'm going to want to maybe bring in a little bit from last week and take us to a little bit of next week, which is Parashat Nitzavim. It's hard to learn Kitavo without Nitzavim. I'll explain why in a minute. But if we just look at the introduction of this law, this magnificent law of bringing Bikurim, bringing the first fruits, we see that our Parashat, if you, if you know me, you know I love this word, Vehaya. It starts with the word that means, and it will be, but it also means vehaya, and it was. So with one word, we're being stretched forward, and then we're being stretched backwards. Have that in mind, because that's going to be the exercise for today. We are going to be in two places at one time. We're going to be in the Yihyeh world, in the future world, and we're going to be in the Haya world, and maybe some of you are starting to read my mind and say, oh boy, she's asking us to break the tenses. She's asking us not to just stay in the present tense, but to go backwards and forwards. It's not me, it's the Torah. It's saying vehaya. On top of that, we've done this before as well. We've said it's one of my favorite words because the word vehaya, I'm on page 1068. The word vehaya also is comprised of the letters of the Yudke Vavke. God's name, Yudke Vavke, in a different permutation, come into this word, Vehaya. And so before we take one more step, we have to enter, when I say making an entrance, we have to enter the Perasha with the mindset that we too can transcend time just like Yudke Vavke, just like he is Hayahoveyihiyeh. And then we just read the next word. If we just read a couple of these words, it is the introduction for Bikurim, but it says, Vehayakitavo. And we know the word ki, of course, is a causative word. It doesn't mean, and it will be when you enter the land. Rather, the entire purpose for your coming into the land is so that you could fulfill this mitzvah. Vehaya kitavo. The reason that you're going to come, and of course it doesn't say you're going to come, it's going to use the word kitavo. And the word ba in Hebrew doesn't just mean to come, it means to return. Ki ba hashemesh. When the sun is going to do this verb, it means it's going to set, it's going to return, it's going to complete its cycle. So when we read words like this, it's starting to tell us that the whole purpose that God not only brought us out of Egypt and is bringing us into the land, but the whole purpose that he even created us is so that we could come back to the land. Now, there are a lot of mitzvot. I'm giving this mitzvah a tremendous drum roll. And I'm saying that this mitzvah is beckoning us, is asking us, is imploring us to recognize the importance of bikurim, but not just the physical component of taking your first fruits and bringing them to God. That does send a major message, but there's way more that's right here. I don't even think it's beneath the surface. I think it's hovering. I think it's merachevet. It's hovering on the surface. So vehayaki tavo el haaretz. When you're going to come to the land that Hashem Elohecha, 
noten lecha, that Hashem is going to give you nachala virashta, viyashavta ba. I should have read the whole pasuk in one shot before I started to take it apart. But I want you to see that every word is carrying tremendous weight. You're coming to this land, and it is the purpose. It is the reason that you're coming to the land. And who's giving you this land? By now, by Sefer Devarim, we have a lot of names that we could address God with. Yet they're going to choose this very name. And we're all familiar with it because we've addressed this name for God. This name Hashem Elohecha, which we know means the God that does what? That allows you to continue his creations from the bottom up. Bikurim, bringing plants, bringing fruits, is bringing from the bottom up. Giving God, bringing to the Kohen, coming to the... I should take a minute and just say this. If any of us were fortunate enough, if, if you could press a button and be zapped into a certain time frame, in, into a certain epoch, into a certain era, you might want to choose this Bikurim time. This particular, particular snippet in time, what do I mean by that? What was so fantastic about the Bikurim? I'm going to press the whole Pasuk on pause for a second just to depict for you and there are magnificent depictions the artists have done a gorgeous job of depicting what this bringing of bikurim involved what was it it wasn't just putting the first fruits in a basket as you might imagine you might imagine like a mishloach manot basket maybe you might picture the ribbons and you know that whole thing but every family who was going to bring from their orchards of their fruit to the Kohen would do it in the most beautiful way they knew how. So imagine the people, throngs of people, weaving their way through the streets to come to the Kohen to give them this basket. They didn't just come carrying, and again, there was families who had many baskets, not just apples or oranges, grapes, whatever it may have been, whatever those fruits were, and some people say they were the, the produce, the seven minim specifically. But whatever was in that basket, there are beautiful artists that have depicted, they've gone as far, if you've gone to Jerusalem and they showed you those stalls that they have where they said they would sell things on the way to the Beit HaMikdash, and then they said a lot of people, if you, depending on your tour guide, would say they would sell doves. They would take doves, live doves, and tie them to the edges of the baskets, and this way their basket would be even that much more beautiful. And some people would hire musicians, and while their fruits were being brought, there would be this whole, it was like a, like a parade like you've never seen before. So this whole story that we're being told here, that God is saying when you come to the land that Hashem gives you, He's giving it to you as an inheritance and you should hold on to it and it should be an acquisition for you. There's something here, like I said, that's hovering that needs to be said, that needs to be addressed. Why would these baskets have so much weight on them, literally? Why is this the reason that God, there are commentaries that go as far as to say that the reason humanity was created was for mitzvah bikurim, was for this particular mitzvah. And then you're going to say, what, what? <laughs> 10, 1,068 pages just for Bikurim? What does that mean? So we really have to, especially today that we aren't uh, uh, in a position, we don't merit to bring Bikurim per se to the Kohen, it needs to be relevant for us. And therefore the words are so gorgeous because the way they're going to describe Bikurim is going to be in a way for us to glean a practical application. So let's look back at the words that were chosen so deliberately and see that when God says, The name that God is going to use for himself in this verse is the Hashem Elohecha word. I know my Zoomers know what this means already. If I woke them up in the middle of the night, they would tell me what it means. 
But the name Hashem Elohecha, just to remind us all, what it means is it first appears in chapter 2, verse 4 of Bereshit, when it says, Ele toldot hashamayim veha'aretz, this is the story of the Shamayim and the Aretz in chapter 2. After the world was all created, the Torah felt the need to give us a recounting of the story. And I will say it's anything but a recounting. It's a brand new story. The first story, when it said, Bereshit bara Elohim, that was God creating the world, and we've said this many times, from above to below. He called out for everything to come into existence, and all of the energy flow was from above to below. But now, when he decides in chapter 2, verse 4, to say, Ele toldot This is the story of the Shamayim Veha'aretz, when God created it, now we have a shift. And to me, it's a seismic shift. It's the whole Torah in one pasuk. Because it says, asot, on the day that God made. And what's the name for God? Hashem Elohim. Hashem's name is no longer Elohim. That verse amends God's name and calls God Hashem Elohim. And why does he change the name of God? Because the entire dynamic of the creation of the world is changed in that verse, because the end of those, those words is, Bayom asot Hashem Elohim, aretz veshamayim, land and sky. God created the world, heaven to earth. Man is now going to create the world from earth to heaven. This switch, this change, this little detail is going to say that God has to change his name because now we could go back into our pasuk. This name for God depicts, defines the God that allows his world to be built from where? From below to above from Aretz to Shamayim. So when we're reading this pasuk about Bikurim, you know what God is really saying? It's showtime. You're on the air. Now it's your time to shine. I created the world in the beginning of this Sefer, and by the end of the Sefer, what am I expecting of you? I'm expecting you to continue my handiwork. I'm expecting of you to bring fruits out of the earth. I'm expecting you to be a creator of your world. I created it from above to below, and now you're creating it from below to above. The below part you all know very well. You put seeds in the ground, you reap, you sow, you plant, all the things that have to do with agriculture. How are you going to get it to above? You're going to give it to the Kohen, and you're going to see in the words, the Kohen is going to raise it. And that is going to be your depiction of creating the world. And I'll explain it a little better. Now you see the next word. Noten is a palindrome. Nun taf nun. God is saying it's a two-way street. The way I create up to down, you create down to up. This is our relationship. A lot is being said here. Now maybe we could start to understand a little what it means that this was the mitzvah that man was created for. We were created to be creators. We were created to continue God's creation. We were created to be a reciprocal partner with God in his image, in his likeness, in the mirror. God gives, we give. This is the whole story in one verse. He says, God give, is giving it to you, nachala, like a brook, like a stream. It's flowing to you. It's just coming. Virashta. You don't usually need both words. It's either a nachala or it's a yerusha. A nachala is something that naturally flows to you. But when it says virashta, it means you need to inherit it. One is God's going to send his blessings flowing to you. And the word yarashta means what? How does one inherit? The word yirusha, like the word morasha, means in order to inherit something, 
you have to keep and uphold the heritage, the morasha. If you uphold the heritage, then the nachala will flow to you. Then you will be a recipient of all of this. ba, And then you'll be able to literally dwell in the land. So in order to dwell in the land, in order to make an entrance, you need to come in with the mindset of what am I doing in this land? Now they're going to give us the practicalities. Velakachta, you are going to take from the first of every fruit of the Adama, of the ground, that you're going to bring from your land, that Hashem Elohecha, you'll notice that the name for God is going to be Hashem Elohecha throughout the entire story. In these 11 Pesukim, the phrase Hashem Elohecha appears at least nine times. So they're telling us this story. This is your moment to shine. This is your reason for creation. And this is your opportunity to mirror God from below to above. But when we see words like velakachta mireshit, right away, what are we doing? We see the word mireshit. We think we're going to go back to bereshit, the actual very beginning. You're going to take from the very beginning, kol pri ha'adama. You're going to, why, why is it using that language, kol pri ha'adama? So some people say it's only the seven species, but the pishat would mean that of every fruit. But regardless, what is the Torah saying? When God created the world, he created every fruit and every tree. And now what are you going to do with that? You're going to take the first of it, that you're going to bring from your land, that Hashem Elohecha, pretty redundant, that Hashem Elohim has given to you, and you're going to place it in a basket. So before we describe what this tene word means, let's just talk for a second. When... And Maybe a little early to make this jump, but I think you guys could handle it. When God creates humanity, when he creates Adam, what is the instruction that he gives to Adam? First instruction that we hear is, Peru, Urvu, Umilu et ha'aretz ve kivshuha, Uridu bidgat hayam. Right, what is what is man compared to? When God says peru urvu, it means that you should be a fruit. I know we turn it to me. I'll let you go this one. Thank you. I know we understand it usually to mean that you should be fruitful and multiply. But really, if I'm introducing this and saying this is the whole purpose for our creation, maybe we could have a license to say that God is saying peru. Be like the perot. And what does that mean? What are you smiling? I might, you might have a light bulb grow, going up. Grow, you should grow and learn, but even better. We're talking about the bikurim. And I'd like to suggest that when the Torah is talking about bringing the first fruits, that maybe it's asking us to see ourselves as the fruits of God's labor. We are those fruits. We're not just bringing fruits. What are we bringing? We're bringing ourselves. We need to see ourselves as those fruits. So what does that mean? It means we have to bring our first selves, our best selves, our freshest selves, our newest selves. All of a sudden, when we're coming to Yerushalayim in this parade, Maybe it's not just about the fruits that are in the basket. Maybe it's about the fruits of our labor, but not just that we labored in the field. Maybe it's the fruits of, the labor, of our labor that we've labored on whom? On ourselves, on Torah. What are we bringing? Why do we come all the way to the Yerushalayim and all the way to the Kohen just to bring him fruits? We really are doing what? 
We're really presenting ourselves. And this is read typically before Rosh Hashanah. So when we're reading about these Bikurim, we have to ask ourselves, if I am Bikurim, then what is God seeing? What is the Kohen receiving when I come? Yes. It's a nourishing from, from Hashem and everything that Beautiful. He so we have, okay, so I'm so happy. That emotionally physical. So Frida's saying the physical, the emotional, the mental, the scholastic, the every part of our nourishment is what? We are God's fruits. So if we're bringing him our fruit, we're also bringing what? Ourselves as the fruits of his labor. This is what I gave you, says God, all year. Let me see how you were nourished. Let me see how you were enlightened, how you were inspired by it. I'm leaving myself time because the Haftarah is going to depict this like no words that we could possibly string together. But I first wanted for you to see it here, and I'll say Vesamta Batene. I always love the Aramaic um, translation of Tene, which is Tuna, which is a burden. A tuna is something that's very heavy to carry, a burden. And maybe Vesamta Batene means what? When you're coming to God, just take all of your burdens and do what? And take them off. Exactly. Give them to... Thank you. I was waiting for my mother, but their sisters, so my Auntie Flora said it. Give it to, You're giving Hashem anything that may be a burden to you, that may be too heavy for you to lift, Put that into the tuna as well. Put it into, it says, into the tene. Vehalachta. And then you'll be able to go to the place that Hashem Elohecha is going to choose to reside his name there. We all know that in a place where there's depression, in a place where there is fear, in a place where there is uh, um, negativity, that's not the place where Hashem is going to choose to reside his name. Hashem is going to choose to reside his name in that space that you create to allow yourself to receive Penea Shekhinah. And how are we going to receive Penea Shekhinah? We have to take all that other stuff, take all our tunas out of ourselves and come to God. And now, Ubata El HaKohen. You're going to come to the Kohen. And you're going to come to the Kohen who's... Um, ministering in those days, and you're going to make this statement. And you're going to say that I have come to this land that Hashem has promised our forefathers to give us. And with that statement, the Kohen is going to take the tene from your hands. Maybe sometimes those of you who have actually had a hardship or had troubles, who've gone to somebody for maybe advice or maybe a blessing or maybe clarity, just by being in the presence of a trusting person and expressing or, uh, um, in Spanish they say, desahogar, to undrown yourself. I think it's a beautiful Spanish word. The word for uh, um, unloading or, or, you know, getting something off your chest. Getting rid of. The way of getting rid of something, to take something off your chest in Spanish, means to undrown yourself. In other words, you're drowning, and you're going to undrown yourself by taking off these burdens from yourself. And what is the Kohen going to do? He's going to take the tene. He's going to take the burden from your hands. And that's only if you do what? If you allow him to. Sometimes we hold on to and we marry and we get used to and we become comfortable with our misery and our burdens and we don't know how to do what? Let go of it. There's another translation of this, very beautiful. Rabbi Fari had mentioned it in the Monday class. He said the people bring their baskets that they worked hard on and the Kohen actually has to do what? Pry it out of their hands because people don't want to let go of their hard-earned work. 
I'm going to add to it and say people don't want to get rid of their, I know it sounds crazy, but they get so used to their miseries and they get so comfortable and familiar with it that sometimes you, the Kohen has to literally pry it away from them. It's a, it sounds uh, anti, um, uh, what's that word, you know, intuitive, but there's a lot here to glean. So he's going to take it, and he's going to take it from your hands, and he's going to put it in front of Mizbeach Hashem. And you're going to answer, and this is what you're going to say. And the statement that's made you're familiar with, we say it in the Haggadah, Arami Oved Avi Vayered Mitzrayma. An Aramean either tortured my father, we'll go with that translation for now. We ended up in Mitzrayim, Cliff notes, Vayagorsham Bimtemeat. We stayed there for a while. We became a Goy Gadol Vatsum Varav, a great nation. The Mitzrim tortured us. Vayareu Otanu HaMitzrim. Vayanunu. They made us miserable. They gave us hard work. We cried to Hashem, our Father. Vayishma Hashem et Kolenu. Hashem heard us. He saw our suffering and he saw our torture and he saw our. Uh, uh, pressure, and he took us Vayotzienu, I'm in Pasuk 8, he took us out of Mitzrayim with a Yad Chazaka, Zroa Netuya, with a Moragadol, Otot, and Moftim, with all kinds of wonders and miracles. And now we have this Tavo word again, Vayivienu. He brought us to this place, and he gave us here a land that's flowing with milk and honey. That's where we would uh, put out, you know, stop for a minute. And then, I'm just going to finish it off so we could put it together. Ve'ata, and now, hineheveti. I just want you to notice one thing that happened. When we started giving the declaration, in the beginning of the process, how did we refer to ourselves? If you look closely, you'll notice the language was in the plural. Vayareu, Vayanunu, Vayitnu, Vanitzak, Lachatsenu, Vayevienu. Right? All of these words, we were considering ourselves what? One of many. We were part of the Kahal. But once we make this statement, all of a sudden, we're able to see ourselves as individuals. Because the next verse says, and now, hineheveti, I, now we become the personal self. We're able to focus on our own self, and we're saying, I have brought the reshit perihadama, I have brought the first of my fruits. Asher natatali Hashem, that you have given me Hashem. And at that point, you can place the basket yourself in front of God, Hashem Elohecha. You can bow in front of God, Hashem Elohecha. And of course, the grand finale is Vesamachta. And you can be happy with all of the goodness that Hashem has given you and your household, the Levi, the Ged, and everybody in your midst. So I just want to talk for a minute about what the process is, how we got to this place and how we got to this point. So first and foremost, we are, I think, now able to see that what we're bringing to the Kohen is not just fruits, that we're bringing ourselves, and an awareness, and an acknowledgement, and a sense of gratitude, all of that's happening. We're bringing what was history, we're giving the history about Mitzrayim, and about the Mitzrayim, and about the torture and the miracles, which they call that his story. When I'm telling the story, that is happening to who? to a bunch of people, me being one of those people, but it's history. By the time I finish recounting that story, what happens? Whose story does it become? It becomes my story. It becomes about me. And this is Bikurim. This is the idea of personalizing and being able to find this place called Simcha. So simcha is a very, very big word. I can't quantify it just by saying joy or happiness. 
there's an inner peace component to this simcha. And how are we going to reach this place? We need to understand a little bit more about Bikurim. So on one hand, I told you to have with you Sefer Bereshit. I can't believe the introduction took up half the class, but that was really just the introduction. The introduction is saying, let me look up a little bit further. Let me look at this from 40,000 feet. It's asking me to go back to Sefer Bereshit and yes, to see myself as the presentation, as if I'm presenting myself. But what else is happening here? Why do I have to specifically bring fruits? Why can't I bring animals? Why can't I'm part of the mammals? God created me on the same day as the, as the, as the animals. Why fruit specifically? And a beautiful way to look at this might be that since the way we were exiled from Gan Eden was because we took unauthorized fruits, maybe now I'll take it back into Eretz Yisrael, which must be seen as the modern day Gan Eden, as the modern day place where God's going to choose to rest his Leshachen Shemosham, it says, to reside his name and his presence there. If I want to get back to the place that I was exiled from, then what needs to happen? The first time I was exiled, I took a fruit that I wasn't supposed to take. And now I'm knocking on the door and say, God, let me back in. And what am I doing? I'm bringing not just the one fruit that I took, I'm bringing, you know, there's a halakha, if you steal one, you have to return double, kaful, right? If I took something that I wasn't supposed to take, I have to bring way more than the actual thing that I took the first time around, so I'm bringing an entire basket. But there was another exile in Bereshit. It wasn't just the one of Adam and Chava because they ate from the fruit and they took it, and now we're giving it back. Something else took place, and if you remember the story, and you know me, you know I'm going to take you right away to the story of Cain and Havel. And we're going to maybe remember that Cain was a farmer. And we're going to also maybe remember that it says about Havel that he brought the Havel Hevi Gamhu Mi Bechorot Sono. He brought the first of his son. And some of the commentaries say they're saying that about Hevel so that we could understand that Cain didn't bring his first. And if we wanted to go with that Midrash, then we'd say, okay, now we're doing Kapara. Now we are going to bring from the first. And we are going to, we're going to get what Cain did, whatever mistake he made, we're going to right that wrong. We're going to bring the first and the best fruits that we can. But there was another piece that was said about Hevel, because it says, Vehevel Hevi Gam Hu. What did Hevel bring? Gam Hu. He brought also himself. When he was bringing his offering, his animal offering, he wasn't just bringing those animals. He was bringing Gam Hu. He was bringing himself. It actually says that he's bringing himself, He brought himself even before, what was the most important part of his offering? What did he know, Hevel? Why was his offering accepted? And that's what we need to know here. If God is telling us that the whole purpose that he created us is to come into the land and bring Bikurim, we really want to get this right. And we have to realize from Hevel that it's not about the Bikurim, which we already figured out a little bit. It's really about bringing what? The best version of yourself. The best version of yourself. Hevel hevi gamho. Hevel brought himself. He knew that God doesn't need my fruits or his sheep. He knew that all that God needed, the mirror image that God needed was our best self. The way that we're going to bring the below to above, the way that God could say about people, what does Adam say when he sees Chava? He says, This person is of me, is from me. 
I recognize in this person myself. Well, guess what? When we come to God, he has to be able to see in us that our etzem, that our essence is of his essence. He has to be able to recognize and say, I know that person. I see myself in that person. God forbid a child comes back from college, from war, from wherever, and they have completely different values. The parent can no longer see themselves in that child. That child is not etzem me'atzamai. You're no longer of my essence. And this is part of Bikurim, and this is part of what we're bringing into the Rosh Hashanah holiday. When we're bringing ourselves, we have to say, I'm standing in front of God. Is he going to recognize me? Is he going to recognize his attributes inside of me? Am I mirroring the God that I am saying over and over in my Sidur? That is an El Rachum V'chanun, that's an Erech Apayim, that's a Rav Chesed Ve'emet. Am I those things? Does God see me as rachamim, as having chen, as having chesed, as being emet? It's a question. It's, it's a hard question that we have to ask ourselves. If we answer the question honestly, whether we are or we aren't, if we're striving to get to that point, that's what's going to bring us wa, simcha. It's a guarantee that we're going to have a peace of mind if we're just attached, if we're just tuned in, if we're just connected, if we just understand that what God is asking of us is for Him to be able to see Himself inside of us. That's the simplest way I can put it. Now, if we take this piece of Bikurim and we pair it together with the Haftarah, which is spectacular. I think it's page 1210 on in these Chumashim, but I'll tell you in a minute for sure. Maybe 1202. Yeah, no, it's 1201. Um, for those of you with a Tanakh, if you can go to Sefer Yeshayahu, um, chapter 60, it's going to start in verse 1, and I believe it's the whole chapter. Chapter 60 in Yeshayahu. It's page 1201 in these blue books here, live. The bottom half of the page. Kumi Uri Kiba Orech. Do you see that? If you're up and getting stuff together, you may want to get yourself a box of tissues. It's probably, uh, it's the second to last. Remember we talked about the Sheva de Nechamta, those seven comforting haftarot that we had after Tisha Be'av? This is the sixth. Next week is the seventh. And then is Rosh Hashanah. They always time it perfectly. So we have seven haftarot between Tisha B'Av and Rosh Hashanah. And so this is the sixth one. And I should say this now because I don't know if we're going to have a chance at the end of the class. But after Parashat, stay here. I'll just tell it to you. After Parashat... Kitavo next week is going to be Parashat Nitzavim. And you can't be Nitzavim. You can't be a people who is standing with purpose if you don't go through Parashat Kitavo and you need to go and understand the Haftarah. This Haftarah, if you could study it at home, I strongly recommend it. If you're having a rough day, Open up Yeshayahu chapter 60 and let's read it together. I may even read it in the English because I don't want to miss any of the magnificent words. But the first one I'm going to do just a little bit in Hebrew because it's just so stunning. Kumi Uri. If you could take two words home, take those two in your pocketbook. Kumi means what? Kumi. Get up. What does Uri mean? In English, we say rise and shine. Rise, kumi, uri. It's only, it's only, only, or light. Yes, beautiful. Kumi, uri. You're right. I'm, I'm, I had a whole shear last week just for the Haftorah. Okay. Oh, so you want to give it to us? Because you probably do no, a better no, job. No, I want to hear what you say. No, okay. No, no, you're brilliant. Oh, I don't know. Kumi, 
Ori. 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 And, and light. Yes. Light or shine, like rise and shine, but it doesn't mean that. It means besides rising up, like <coughs> rising to the occasion, kumi means something else also. If you have to tell somebody kumi, you don't tell a person who's already running a marathon kumi. You're telling the person who is either sedentary or in a place that is the opposite of rising. It, it, this, this, just these first two words of the haftara are saying you need to change your, uh, um, your position. Kumi, who would, you, who would you say wake up to? A sleeping person, a horizontal person. Kumi means what? No more horizontal, time to be vertical, but not just that. This is not just a physical stance. It's ori, so thank you, Rosemary, for correcting my pronunciation of it. Ori means what? My light, my or, my brilliance, my uh, uh, um, soul that's able to radiate. So Yeshayahu is saying this to the people, but at the same time, we need to say it to ourselves. We need to say it's time to get up and it's time to shine bright, because your light has arrived. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean, my light has arrived? And by the way, when we read just these first few words that have the word or, or, I'm going to read you the rest of the pasuk so you could see. Ukevod Hashem alayich zarach, and the um, glory of Hashem has shined upon you. What every again? If you just read one pasuk of the haftarah, it's enough to uh, charge you. It's enough to uh, give you the energy to make it through the next four weeks, not just up to Rosh Hashanah. It's saying the, um, the prophet Yeshayahu is saying, be aware that Kivod Hashem is shining upon you. What does that mean? If God is shining upon me, then I am automatically doing what? Radiating. But it's, I'm not radiating like the moon. I am creating my own, I am generating light. This is, I'll, I'll keep giving you a which few pesukim. Which then reflects on others. Which, thank you, well, that had to have been Zella. Is that you? I wasn't <laughs> even looking, I know your voice already. Which yeah. then reflects on others, thank you. One thing is to absorb light. One thing is to generate light. The Yeshayahu is telling us again. This is I told you. If it's the Sheva the Nechem we're down in the dumps. We lost our Beit uh, Mikdash. Our people have been decimated, and we need to have Nechama. And part of the Nechama is not just to move away from the destruction and towards building. It's so that we could understand how to become Nitzavim. We don't want to just be able to stand. We want to be in command. We want to be the ones who are giving the light, who are giving the orders. And so kumi, ori, we could be saying it to ourselves. Come on, we're psyching ourselves up. Get up, you light. Get up, you, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. All of those phrases that we tell ourselves, you can do this, you got this. But at the same time, he's saying, ki ba orech. Your light has... Please, somebody, define the word ba. Your light has returned. Remember we said ba Hashemesh? Mm -hmm. The sun is setting. Ba orech means your light has returned, meaning what? If my light has returned, it means that I've had it all along. I've had it all along. I just needed to be coaxed. I need to either coax myself or maybe I need an external Yeshayahu to tell me that my light has returned and on top of it, and this, this is the process, once we become 
people who are able to generate light, then what happens? Kivod Hashem zarach. Then we're going to be inviting the glory of God to shine upon us. And here's this, I think, for today. More than ever, our world that we're living in, we need to hear this. It says, because darkness, the land could be filled with darkness and clouds, dense clouds. Arafel is really like smoke. And we know from anything you want to see in current events, the world is under a dark cloud. There's, there's, there's the, the ability for, for uh, a lightness, for kavod, for purity, for cleanliness, we're, we're very far away from that. But look what it says, and we need this. The other nations, they're under a cloud. But you, B'nai Israel, Yizrach Hashem, God is going to allow his light to shine, and upon you, this is a huge responsibility today for the Jewish nation, because it doesn't matter that the rest of the world is filthy and under a smoke cloud, the Jewish people, Hashem is shining his glory on us, and it's our job to take that light and take that glory and let it be seen upon us. And if you just keep reading, I'm going to take you towards the end because there's not so much time to go through every pasuk, but I'll give you one or two. The nations, you know that famous or lagoim phrase. We are the flashlight that the rest of the world is going to have to find its way by because the rest of the world is under such a dark cloud, they don't even know how to get out of where they're stuck at now. And even the kings are going to follow your brightness. Lift your eyes around and see that they're all going to assemble, they're all going to come, Every this there's going to be this kibbutz galuyot kulam All of them are going to gather. They're going to come to you. You're going to be the magnet. They're going to want to come to you. What is it that draws us to all of the that draws all of the people to us? Our own children first. Like I said, this couldn't be written any more currently than today. Today, where we have so many children that we birthed and somehow whether it's the influence of the social media or the the colleges or the wokeness or I don't know what's out there but a lot of these children are getting lost in this big black cloud and what is Yeshayahu saying he's saying no don't worry kumi ori if you decide that you're going to be the light, then those in the dark will be able to find their way home. And they will come back. And it's not a lost cause. And you can't give up. I mean, I mean it's each one of these verses is magnificent in and of its own. But I'm going to take you all the way towards the end because this is something that you're going to be very, very familiar with. I don't even know where to... I, I don't want to chop off any uh, the pasuk because each one is, is nicer than the next, but okay, we'll go to verse 17 and chatati because there are, each verse is nicer than the next. Um, I went to 17 just because whatever. There's not that much time. Instead of copper, avizahav. God is saying, I'm going to replace the ordinary with the extraordinary. And in the place of iron, I'm going to bring silver. And in the place of wood, I'm going to bring copper. And in the place of stones, I'm going to bring iron. And I am going to take your pekudecha, which normally would mean the ones that you were, um, your officers that have been appointed, and I am going to make them 
ambassadors of shalom, of peace, and I am going to make them uh, overlords for tzedakah. In other words, if you're afraid and you're saying, and we might be saying that today because if we look at our elected officials, we might say they are incapable of making a change. They are incapable of righteousness. They are inca- they themselves are the champions of the filth, or as it's been said, the swamp. How are we going to make the change if the ones in the position to make the change, they themselves are what? They themselves are corrupted. And again, Yeshayahu is coming to say, and I think this is maybe one of the most important things that we need to hear in our day. Stop looking at your current state of affairs as if you're the only one who's going to bring the solution. My favorite phrase that I say is, don't forget to carry the one. When you're doing the math, when you're adding up the officials stink, the system stinks, the courts are corrupt. How are we going to get there? And you're doing that math, it's never going to work. But if you carry the one and you say, wow, I have Yeshayahu chapter 60. And Yeshayahu chapter 60 is making us a promise. And it's saying, kumi ori, if you just get up and you wake up your own light, what do they say? One light in an entire, we walked in today, this place, yes or no, was pitch black. We found, we were pushing buttons, we couldn't find the lights. We pushed one little light that was two rooms down, and then all of a sudden, what happened? We were able to see the switches for the other rooms. One tiny little light ended up lighting this whole shul as you see it right now. We didn't know what we were doing. We were just pushing, doing, feeling around. It was pitch black in here. Turn on one light. Turn on one light. Don't expect that you need to illuminate the entire shul. Turn on one light. Turn on one light inside yourself. A little light dispels much darkness. A little light dispels much darkness. The pintalayid, what does that mean? Every one, all you need is one flask of oil on Hanukkah to start the entire, to illuminate the entire world. And that's what we're going to see now when we read these next few words. It's going to say, Lo yishama od chamas If you ascribe to this understanding that we are able to dispel the darkness, then no longer are we going to have any violence in our land and no longer is there going to be um, violence Shevet, breaking in your borders. Vekarata Yeshua Chomotecha. And you know what's going to happen? Your, your walls, your Sha'arecha are going to be Tehillah and your walls are going to be Yeshua. So, you know what the name of your wall is going to be? Instead of broken, it's going to be salvation. You know what the name of your gates are going to be? Tehillah. Tehillah is a, um, let me see what's the English word for Tehillah, like uh, praise, praise. It's a type of happiness, it's going to be praise. And now this is the nicest. You think that the sun is what gives you light? And this is, uh, this I want, this is the pieces that I wanted to bring you to. As long as we think that our light comes from the sun. As long as we think that we need to press a switch to get something illuminated, then our thinking is leading us to believe that odd is something external. external to us. I love you, Margie. As long as we think that light is something external to us, then we think that our sense of illumination is what? Dependent on. Dependent on something outside of us, outside of our control. What is this saying? Lo Lach od hashemesh leod. Enough. The light is not the source of your light. And how do we know that? I mean, the sun is not the source of your light. And how do we know that anyway? Because when we went back to Sefer Bereshit, we saw... That God said, Yehi Or, but the sun wasn't created till the fourth day. 
What was that original Or? That's why it's such a beautiful haftarah to go with the Bikurim, because it's the way that God created the world. He created the Or first, and Ulenoga, so let's say you're, you're no longer going to need the sun for light, or for bright, or the moon to illuminate the brightness. Rather, you ready? Hashem Laor. Olam. Every one of these words is a is a inscription. God is going to be your light, not just for your world, but forever. Olam could be read both ways. And you know what's gonna be your glory? Hashem is going to be your, and why do I love even this pasuk more than ever, is because it has Hashem Elohecha. It has the two names for God. And it's saying Hashem is going to be the Or Olam and Elohaich Letif Artecha. What is it really telling us when it uses both names for God? It's reminding us how we started our class originally, which was God could send the light from above to below. He did. He said, Yehi Or, and there was Or. And now the job is whose? whether it's through Bikurim or just through an awareness or just through an awakening, what job do we have? We have the job to absorb that light, to recognize that God is showering us with it, and then to emanate that light and transmit that light. And then it says, Lo yavod or, this is, this is probably the, I keep saying each one's the nicest one, but never again. Lo yavo od shimshech means, what, is, what do we say about lo yavo? Bahashemesh. Your sun will never again set. What is that saying? The light that you have never needs be extinguished. And the yareach is not going to be gathered. Why? Ki Hashem yihyeh. Lach le'or, because God's going to be your light. Olam, again that word. V'shalmu yemei evlecha. What does that mean? The days of your mourning are over. I told you this is the sixth of seven haftarot. So now the prophet is getting a little bit, I don't want to say impatient with us, but he's telling us it's time to get with the program. It's time to replace depression with a sense of God's light that's with us. And then this, you'll, you'll know this verse, it sounds familiar. Ve'amech, and your nation, kulam tzadikim. Your nation is all tzadikim. Le'olam yirshu aretz, we say this in Pirkei Avot, forever they are going to inherit the land. Netzer Mata'ai, they are a branch of my planting. Ma'ase Yadai Lehit Pa'ed. You people are what we described in the beginning. You are the Bikurim. You are my plantings. You are the source for my pride. The last verse says, The smallest shall increase a thousandfold, and the least into a mighty nation. And he ends it with, Ani Hashem Be'ata Achishena. I am Hashem, and I will make sure that this happens quickly. What are we reading this Haftarah for? Who are we reading it to? Yes, we're reading that this is what Yeshayahu told the people back in the day so that they wouldn't be depressed anymore. But it's been canonized and recorded here. And it's meant to be read as the Haftarah to the Bikurim. Because the Bikurim is telling us now, this time of year, we're coming to Hashem. Are we the handiwork? Are we ma'aseya da'ilahit pa'er? Are we God's handiwork that He's going to be proud of? In order for Him to be proud of us, we can't just, it's not just about coming with a sense of accomplishment, which it, part of it is, absolutely. But are we reflecting His light? That's what the Haftarah is adding to the equation. Meaning, if we believe that God's kavod, like in Pasuk, is upon us, if we believe that kavod Hashem alayich zarach, do we believe it? 
I don't know. Do we, do we really believe that the glory of Hashem is shining upon us? Because that's how the, the, the pedic starts. Before that shaking, I had yes, because she is a beacon of light. Anybody who believes that this awe is constantly showering upon us is going to have this abundance of light that they're just going to be radiating. And that is what we're bringing. That's what we're bringing to Aur Rosh Hashanah. That's what's in, you know, they say, what's in your wallet? The credit card commercial, what's in your wallet? What's in your basket? If you just have fruits in your basket, if you're just going to say, God, here, this is what I did this year, this is what I made this year, I'm writing a check, I'm making a donation, I'm buying an aliyah, do all of that. But hevel hevi gamho, we can't just bring our accomplishments, we have to bring ourselves. And the selves that we bring have to be equally as radiant as the kivod Hashem that's radiating upon every one of us. And that's my wish and prayer for this holiday, that we see ourselves as those that are uh, um, doused in God's radiance, and that's what we're bringing with us. Amen. Stunning. Thank, so, thank you. Very inspirational. Big learners. Based. Oops. Oh no! I took a video in the morning. Stomach or what? Stomach. Oh no! How about the kuzu? Do you try that? I took I took Yeah. I had some tea. Then I took oatmeal. Yeah, I love. I would have been. 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 I would have Words of Torah. I love that. When you brought out the sunshine, I thought that was great. Hi. Ah, I think they close it, but you know what? Maybe I should close the big one just so they don't waste energy. Good idea. Okay, that was a good idea, Ma. Okay, closed all the lights. That was a good idea. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. All right. Feel better, Auntie Flora. Feel better, really. Okay, thank God. Nah. What does my father say? Better late than never. Better late than never. And then he throws it. But better yet, never late. Tell us, you catch the beginning much Yeah. I filled you in in a minute or two, mas o menos. You know what? Somebody else would have just said, that the heck with the class and stayed home. They would have talked themselves out of it, so... That's what I'm saying, right? You smell? No, this one's mint. Yeah, I know. But I smell, I smell basil before. One minute. Right here. I don't see it, but I smelled it. This is mint. This is mint. I got one whiff of basil somewhere. What's this? No, it's too hard to be. Maybe over there. I don't know. I smelled basil. I don't see it. Maybe this one's basil? No, mint. Mint and mint. I have enough mint that I don't know what to do with. If you need mint antiflora, come to me. No, it's beyond. You know, it's easy for me to buy it. It comes dry. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah. Oh, right, Bodek and this and Hey, I hear you. Really? You were right, the sun came out. 
I can't. I need you to get closer so I could open the door. Yes. Now. Thank you. Enjoy Florida. Enjoy your day. Gracie, you look like you're in pain. You look that. to take Auntie Vicky. I have an extra olive bread. I was gonna go take it to her. You want me to take her something you yeah. said yesterday? The brush? Yeah, the, not the well, no, no, uh, uh, dress that she's taking for. Oh, she said she would take Paola. it? Yeah, she said she would take it. Oh, that's nice of her. Because her brother might not go. Uh-huh. I told you that she they took it. his, uh, his residency card. Why? Because he became an American. Now he has to fix his passport. Oh, now he, he can't go know. there, you say? Yeah, he has to wait for his passport to come, but he doesn't know how long. They if told him goes, two, three months. Exactly. If he goes, he doesn't have a thing to come back. Right. So with a paper. He says, no, the paper doesn't do anything. Okay. Paula has the dress? Paula, uh, I have it. Oh, you have the dress? Yeah. Should I take it now? Yeah. Yeah, Ricky is there. No, should I find, should I yeah. find out? Okay, let me see. How am I going to get in touch with her? I don't know. Vicky. Vicky Sound. Let's see if this is the right one. Voice call. 